Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Phillies Today. Thank you all for tuning in. As, again, we try to get through the offseason the best we can. Just about, I think just about a month away until pitchers and catchers. So, just some, somewhere around there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's close to 30 days. So, very, very, very exciting. Um, baseball will be here before you know it. Opening day will be here before you know it. And have a fun show for you today. Thought up a, a fun topic here because of... Uh, the Flyers, and I know we're talking hockey here, but Flyers and Carter Gauthier, I'm sure you've heard of the story by now. Uh, this Flyers prospect that didn't want to sign here. It sounds much like J.D. Drew. And we're, I wanted to do a top five villains, peak villains list um, for the Philadelphia Phillies in my lifetime. I can't do all time. It wouldn't make sense. So, no, you're not going to get Joe Carter from me. That was just a year before I was born. So top five Phillies, peak Phillies villains um, uh, against, uh, you know, peak Phillies, peak Phillies villains. Yeah, peak Phillies villains um, in my lifetime. So I want to do that. And then we'll get, we'll continue what to expect from a player in 2024. We're doing a reliever today and a very young, exciting reliever. You probably already know who I'm talking about. And that's pretty much it. I got that, a little bit around the MLB, and this day in Phil's history. That's literally it, but I'm excited to do today's episode. So let's start. I want to do honorable mention first. So ranking top five peak villains in Phillies history in my lifetime. So I'm 29. I started watching the Phillies late 90s, early 2000s. So that's the time period I'm talking about. Again, no Joe Carter, no nobody from the 1964 collapse, if there were any villains there. You're not getting any of those. So again, in my lifetime, 29 years old, so from like 1999 until right now, that's what you're getting. So you'll get, you know, yeah, 20 years, 20 plus years. Good enough. Yeah, recent, recent's better anyway. So honorable mention. I only I have one honorable mention. I almost had two, but uh, the first one I'll take off the board and say he's not honorable mention. Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland. I had like in my notes, but Scott, look, man, you all took Scott Rowland's one line that he said baseball heaven about St. Louis and just made it like he hated Philly. Like maybe he secretly in his you know. Maybe he like disliked Philly a little bit, but like I, I, I don't. I think all that stuff was overblown. I don't. I think the Scott Rowland thing stuff was overblown. So I, I, I did not put Scott Rowland on the list. Okay, you might be. You're, there's probably listeners out there right now. You probably have Scott Rowland on your list. That's fine. I understand it to a certain extent. I just think it's overblown. 
That's all. So Scott Rowland's on my list. First honorable mention, Adam Eaton. <laughs> Adam Eaton. I actually, like, at the time, I like I don't know if I necessarily cared a whole lot, but, like, looking back on it, we signed Adam Eaton to be, like, like a good starting pitcher, I'm pretty sure. And he was horrible here. He had, like, a 629 ERA in three seasons here, and we traded him away, like, midseason in 08, and he was horrible, but we traded him away, and... He technically got a World Series ring that year because he was on the team at one point. If you're on the team at any point in that 2008 year, you're, you you get a World Series ring. So he gets booed when he comes back with, I forget which team he came back with in 2009. But he came back in 2009. They presented him his World Series ring and he got, you know, like the loudest boo boos from, from, uh, from the Citizens Bank Park crowd ever. So... Maybe not ever, but you know what I mean. So, Adam Eaton was my my first one. I mean, it's just annoying that he was terrible here. He was expected to be better and gets a World Series ring and all that stuff. So, he's he's number one off the board. Um, honorable mention. So, coming in at number five, extremely recent. And I, I, I know it's recent, and maybe, you know, you give it more time. But, like, Orlando Arcia, he's number five. Arcia was... You know, I didn't have a problem with RC as a Brave. You know, he made the All-Star. I'm pretty sure he made the All-Star team this year. But you know what happened. Bryce Harper make botches that play in uh, in whichever game it was in the NLDS. And the Braves end up winning. And RC says in the clubhouse, he's, re- he's heard saying, uh, what exactly was it? Um... Attaboy, Bryce. Attaboy, Bryce. And that comes out. A reporter tweets that out. I'm pretty sure a reporter tweeted that out. It was a whole thing. And then Bryce, the next game, hits two bombs, stares down Arcia twice, rounding the bases. Of course he did. Incredible. All-time moments in Phillies history. It, it, it sucks that this didn't... Maybe we remember it a little better at the Phillies... You know, made a run at the World Series this year a little better getting past the D-backs in LCS. But still, for Arcia to make those comments and then for Harper to round the bases and stare him down each time, cannot stand Orlando Arcia. Can't stand him. No, he's not number one, number two, but he's right there. And again, a little bit of recency bias, but I feel like we all hate Orlando Arcia right now. By the way, these are my personal. So, obviously. So, I these are my personal peak villains in Philly's history. So, number five, Orlando Arcia. Number four, Cody Ross. Cody Ross has got to be there. Look, number one, before the 2010 NL, NLCS with the Giants against the Phils, he was a Philly killer for the Marlins. And he wasn't always, like, an incredible hitter. He had some good years. He had some good years, um, but he wasn't like an elite player by any means. He was a good outfielder who uh, who had some pop. Like, yeah, that was Cody Ross. And number one, he had the the most home runs he has against any team. It's the Phillies, and I think it's 14, 14 homers against the Phillies, the most against any team during his career. So that's number one. That's number one annoying thing. Again, he's not. You know, Vlad Guerrero killed the, killed the Phillies, but Vlad Guerrero is a Hall of Famer. Like, Cody Ross is like, you know, a nice little player. You know, and he 
homered the most times against the Phils, uh, you know, during with against any other team in his career. The Phils the most. So that's number one. And then the, the biggest one is the NLCS. Homer twice in a one run one one win ugh, one run win uh, in game one twice off of Doc Halliday. I'm pretty sure it was twice. Um, Homer again in game two off of Roy Oswalt. Game three he drove in the Giants' first run in a three nothing win, and then game four he doubled to start a late game rally that put the Giants ahead. Um, and then all in all, I mean the numbers Ross put up in that series obviously by those three things I just mentioned or four things. Hit 350 in the series. He went seven for 20 with three doubles, three bombs, and five RBIs. And then, and the crazy part is that series, like the Giants didn't even hit that well. Besides him, like his, his teammates, one homer in 181 at bats, while Ross slugged 950 in that entire series. The rest of the team slugged 282. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, Cody Ross killed us. You know, not Buster Posey, not anybody else in that team. It was Cody Ross that destroyed us. So Cody Ross, number four, Philly killer with the Marlins. And obviously in the NLCS with the Giants, it just had to be Cody Ross out of all players. So Cody Ross, number four. Number three, Sean Rodriguez. <laughs> I it, I could stand the way Sean Rodriguez looked. And this, again, this is Sports 8. This is Philly you know, Phillies hate, just, just to clarify, I hate the way he looked. I hate the way he had his, uh, hair and, uh, my God, hair tied back. Uh, I hated all that. I hated his face, all that stuff. I, I could not stand him. And on top of that, like I already didn't like him. I felt like, and on top of that, he makes these comments after a win, after he has a walk-off, uh, hit to win for the Phils. I think it was against his former team, the Pirates. He says, oh, Phillies fans are entitled. I forget what the question was, but he said, ends up saying, like, Phillies fans are entitled. Sounds like a cocky you-know-what. And, I mean, this is – he was a decent player at best in his peak of his career. And this guy says that. And I think he made up some other comments earlier in the year that, uh, oh, if you don't want to talk to me after my bad games or my good games, don't talk to me after my bad games. Like, come on, bro. Like, you're – again, you're not – you're not Bryce Harper. You're Sean Rodriguez. Relax. So cannot stand Sean Rodriguez for those comments to this day. Um, Sean Rodriguez, number three. Number two, I couldn't pick one. And this, you know, hits very close to home to me because, like, you know, growing up at this point, I was, like, 12, 13. So it's, like, my peak, like, baseball fandom as a kid. That's when you, like, love sports the most in general is when you're, you know, like a, a young teen. And it's the late 2000s Mets. Number two is the late 2000s Mets. I couldn't pick one player. There's not one. I'm sorry. There's just not one. I had uh, the, the the best examples I can give you, the, the names I came up with were like Luis Castillo, Jose Reyes, David Wright, Tom Glavin, Billy Wagner, Carlos Beltran, and Moise Salou. Like those, what's that, like six or seven players? Like those are like the faces for those Mets teams that I hated in the late 2000s. The face of those teams. So the late 2000s Mets could not stand them. Couldn't stand, can't stand them to this day. Just looking back, remembering those teams. And thank God the Phils, you know, came back and made the playoffs, knocked them out in 07, 08, 
made the playoffs. Mets didn't make the playoffs in 08. Like, I, th- those were great times, but I just hated those late 2000s Mets teams. Yo- Johan Santana. Can't forget about Johan Santana. Um, I was originally going to put Billy Wagner, but it's the late 2000s Mets. Late 2000s Mets. And number one, if it wasn't obvious already, I mentioned his name like the first like minute talking about Carter Gauthier. J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew, number one. Um, I'll never forget 2004, the year that the bank opened. I'm pretty sure this is when J.D. Drew played for the Braves. Every time the Braves came to town, and I, I saw him a couple times that year. I remember going with my dad. I was like eight, nine years old. Every time J.D. Drew came up to the plate, got booed. Loud is the 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 place was as loud as it possibly could be. And when I was younger, I didn't really understand why. When you're eight or nine years old, you don't. I don't know if you necessarily really care that much. Like, why are we booing J.D. Drew? Blah blah blah. Um, but never heard louder boos. And then I got older, and then you know I understood why J.D. Drew uh, was so hated here, and it was because you know got drafted by the Phillies, but then didn't want to sign with them. Um. Ended up signing with the St. Louis Cardinals. And nothing worse than a player that says, I don't want to play for you. You know, not, nothing worse than that. Especially when you're a young player, when you're like a draft pick. Like Gauthier, like J.D. Drew. Nothing worse than that. It's like, who are you, dude? Like, you're you're a young player. And J.D. Drew en- ended up, you know, being like a, a good player. But he was expected to be like Mickey Mantle, I'm pretty sure. He ended up, and didn't end up, and ever end up being great. So... J.D. Drew, easily my number one. Um, again, never, never, uh, never heard that place as loud as it was when J.D. Drew would come to come to bat at the bank as a Brave, and I'm sure as a Cardinal too. Um, so J.D. Drew, number one for sure. But I would love to hear your thoughts out there. Give me your your top five Phillies peak villains um, in your lifetime. I don't, however old you are, whether you're 20, whether you're 30, whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, I don't care. I want to hear it. I want to hear about it. Let's debate. Let's talk about it. I want to want to have a conversation. So there you go. Top five Phillies peak villains. So I went a, went a little long there. So I'm going to pretty much just get to what to expect from a player in 2024. That's pretty much going to wrap it up. Not too much else to talk about. So what to expect from a player in 2024. Last episode did Johan Rojas. If you want to hear that, what, what to expect from Johan Rojas, go listen to the last episode I did. Scroll down a little bit. Listen to uh, Justin Morgenstein and Ben Kenny. They also do great, uh, phenomenal episodes uh, for the channel. But also go uh, check out the Johan Rojas episode as well. So Orion Kirkering. Let's keep it going with the young guys. Orion Kirkering, uh, 2023. I mean... The kid has a nasty sweeper. It's it's talked about in circles, um, you know, in the minors, and you know, when he comes up to the majors. The sweeper is the pitch for Orion Kirkering, and we saw it in the majors. But 49 games overall in the minor leagues, 151 ERA in 53 and two thirds innings, 79 strikeouts. That was good for a 13 and uh, just under 14 a K per nine innings. That was overall in the minor leagues, so you could understand why he gets called up to the majors when he did, which was late September, mid to late September for Kirkering, where he had three innings pitched late in the season with the Phillies. Uh, give it like one run in th- three innings, and his stuff looked nasty. Stuff looked nasty. It was, you know, it's what we all heard about, what we all saw maybe in some clips. 
um, on Twitter and YouTube and whatnot. The fastball slider combination, just disgusting. Um, and so he was he was fine. You know, they looked stuff looked good. Then he had trouble in the NLCS against the Diamondbacks. That's you know. He was actually good in the wild card series. I think he had one appearance. Good in the NLDS against the Braves. But then he had trouble against Arizona. It's like, okay, well, you know, the the young kid can understand it. Had trouble against Arizona. I don't think he could could even get out of one inning. Um, So they had trouble against Arizona. And that was pretty much his 2023. He was incredible in the minors. Only had a couple of appearances with the Phillies late in the season and the playoffs. Uh, Maybe expecting him to be like a K-Rod or something like that. Didn't end up being... Uh, anyone like that um, for the Phils during their playoff run. But that's what he was for the Phils in 2023 for the Miners and the Phils. So what do we expect from him in 2024? I think he's interesting because he, you know, he looked shaky and, you know, for a few appearances, uh, you know, in the playoffs. He's a young kid. He's 22, I believe. Pretty sure I just want to get it right because I have it right in front of me. He's 22. He's 22. He's going to turn 23 this year. He's really young. He's really young. I mean, he could really be a weapon for this bullpen. He really could be, and I, and I would really love that. I mean, I actually, li- I really like the Phillies bullpen. I like, I like their chances, depending on you know a few um, factors, which includes Kirkering. Um, but for me, you got to see how he looks in camp. I, I, I believe he'll probably make, you know, the regular season roster and be on the opening day roster. Um, but if he isn't pitching well, let's say like the first month or so, I think you got to send him down. I think that's the right thing to do. You send him down and, you know, don't, don't risk, don't risk messing him up. Like you messed up like a Spencer Howard or a Scott Kingery, or right? I know it was a different, yeah, you had Clintac as your GM and the farm system, um, the, 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 the direction of the farm system of, you know, you have Preston Mattingly now. So it's it was different back then. But I'm saying, though, let's not make those same mistakes. Um, if he isn't pitching well, you know, uh, at first, send him down. You know, give him a month, send him down. And, you know, let him get himself together. You know, a young pitcher, very young pitcher. Um, but in the end, what I would expect, you know, throughout the season, hopefully, this is what I expect. I think the guys that are taking the high leverage situation should be Jeff Hoffman, you know, a veteran who was incredible last year. Jose Alvarado, we know Jose Alvarado. Gregory Soto, too. Gregory Soto should be somebody that, you know, had a very average at best season last season. And this guy is, I think, at least a couple of time All-Star. One or two time All-Star. You get it. He's supposed to be a good pitcher. He was good in, in, in Detroit. He... You know, I, I expect him to, to be a high-leverage guy, though, too. I don't care if he was average at best last year. That should be an expectation, especially when you traded for him. So, and then Sir Anthony. I still think Sir Anthony, as long as he's healthy, should be expected to be a high-leverage guy, which, in that case, should mean that Kirkering doesn't need to necessarily be one of the main high-leverage guys. Like, those are your four guys, and then... Maybe Kirkering, depending on how he pitches, maybe he can get a decent amount of high leverage situations, but not as many as those other guys that I had mentioned would get. So, which which can allow Kirkering to grow with 
you know, with not as much pressure on his shoulders, right? Like the pressure should be on those four guys that I just made, or that I just named. Shouldn't be on Orion Kirkering. So should be allowed to grow with less pressure. Um, they should expect him to, you know, in the end, I think should expect him to be a reliever that puts up solid to, to good numbers. Um, good amount of reliability. And like I said, a decent amount of high leverage situations. So that's what I expect for Orion Kirkering in the end. Reliever that puts up, you know, good numbers, not like Edwin Diaz, 2022 numbers, but good numbers. And it would be his first full year in the majors if that's what it would end up being. And, I, I, you know, maybe not incredibly reliable, but, you know, reliable. So that's what I expect from Orion Kirkring. And I know maybe we have high expectations here in Philadelphia, especially for somebody like that um, because of how, you know, the stuff and the age and the hype and all that. And I, I get it. But let's just, like, slow down for a second. Let's give guys time, you know. Like, it's important to give guys time. Just because he might be a highly touted prospect, whomever, I think it's important to be patient. I know we're not patient in this town. I know we aren't. But let's try to practice that. Let's try to practice that. Let's just try. Let's just try. Real quick, this day in Philly's history. So let me know what you think of Orion Kirkring. Uh, tweet me at Rojas underscore media underscore. Let me know what you think of Orion Kirkring. Um, happened on this day in... Uh, January 11th, 1973, Phillies chose Alan Bannister with the first pick of January amateur draft and Dick Ruthven with the first pick of the secondary draft. And then um, in these three years for the January amateur draft, Phillies chose Morris Cooper in the first round um, in 74. In 77, they chose Michael Childs in the first round. And in 78, they chose Don Woodward in the first round. Uh, transactions on this day in 66, they traded West Covington to the Cubs for Doug Clemens in 91. They signed free agent Wally Backman in 91 on that this day too. They also signed John Morris 92 signed free agent Jay Baller in 97. They purchased Scott Ruffcorn from the White Sox. Oh, one signed free agent Brian L Hunter. Oh, four. They signed free agent Lou Collier. Um, in 2011, traded Sergio Escalana to Houston for Albert Cartwright. And born on this date, real quick. 1884, Johnny Bates. Sounds like a, uh, a horror villain. Uh, 1890, Milt Watson. Uh, 1910, Johnny Peacock. And 1962, Jim Lindemann. So, um, there you go. Those are born on the state. So, that's going to do it for Phillies today. Francisco Rojas, let me know your top five Phillies. Uh, peak Phillies villains uh, for your lifetime. I want to hear. And let me know what your expectations are for Orion Kirkering this season. Francisco Rojas, Phillies today. I'll talk to you guys soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 